Today we're going to talk about joy. And as we talk about the joy of Christmas today, I want to ask you this question, which is, what is it that puts you in a good mood? What are some of the things that put you in a good mood? So the kids are happy. Kids happy? How about also happy and behaved? Music. Good. What else? Did you say chocolate or shopping? Chocolate. Some people said shopping too. That shopping puts them in a good mood. So, good. What else? What? Friends. Good. Friends and friendship? What else puts us in a good mood? I was going to say, every other service, that was number one, was that. that. Nobody even had to think before that one came out, so at least you guys were nice enough to make that like six on the list, but I'm just going to, your favorite team winning. Anything else? Okay, so when others are in a good mood. No one said this in any of them, and then I put this up here, and everyone goes, oh yeah, absolutely. So this is especially for parents out there. Coffee, come on, right? For some of you, life and parenting doesn't start until you've had coffee. Like, kids, you will not fight in my presence until I've had my cup of coffee, right? So you have to have coffee. So, all right, so that puts you in a good mood. How about this one? What puts you in a bad mood? So, there you go. Least favorite team winning. And since we say this at every service... There you go. I'm just going to leave that up there the whole service now. So what else puts you in a bad, besides pastor putting that on the screen, puts you in a bad mood? So others being in a crabby mood. Good. Kids fighting. Somebody last service said, since I put it in the good mood, I'll put it in the bad mood. Shopping. Some people are like, like oh, that, that puts me in a terrible mood. I hate shopping. So, what else? Anything else? No coffee. Sickness. There you go. What was that? No sleep. Good. This is one we all have to deal with at Christmas. Traffic, right? And that list could go on and on and on of things that put us in a bad mood and things that put us in a good mood. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how fast do our moods change? Real fast. And some of you know people who their moods are like this all day long, just have huge mood swings every day. And you don't know from one minute to the next what type of mood they're going to be in. But the truth is that all of us can have moods that change, right? 
You'd be driving along, no problem, day's going really good until you get into the left-hand lane, cruising along, and somebody is doing five miles slower than you want to be doing in the left-hand lane, and all of a sudden, your good day goes bad because they are inconveniencing you. Or you go to the McDonald's drive through line, and instead of taking three minutes, it takes six minutes, and those three extra minutes that you just lost on your day were the most important three minutes of your day, and so all of a sudden, your good day went bad because you lost three minutes. Or you open up your ESPN app at three o'clock today and the team that you wanted to win didn't win. And you are in a bad mood because your team lost. I'm just saying, one of us is gonna be in a good mood today and the other is not, right? Like there's all of a sudden, like our day can change so quickly from one minute to the next because of the things going on all around us. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how all too often our joy is just like a kite in the wind, constantly blowing around back and forth, changing with the winds of change that are all around us because we tie our kite, our joy, to the wrong thing. I mean, think about even Christmas. We should have this joy at Christmas, and yet how much of Christmas is about running around to get presents and to make sure the food and figuring out our calendar and all the expectations and all of the stress and all the things we have to get done, and all of a sudden we go from the joy of Christmas to being a Scrooge or a Grinch because things are not going the way we want them to, and we're like, I just cannot wait till this season is over with. And yet there are people who are the opposite. You ever met somebody who is the opposite of that? who they just have joy no matter what's going on in their life. It's like I asked this on Saturday night because it was the Jam Thrive Christmas with the kids. I said to the kids, how many of you wish every day was Christmas Day? Like, yeah, absolutely, because I'm getting presents every day, right? Do you know, and there are some people who just live that. I have two children in my house that if we could just keep Christmas decorations up, year-round, they would keep the Christmas tree up and lit every single day year-round because they just love Christmas. They would play Christmas music year-round if dad didn't say absolutely not because they love it. There are some people, and you have them in your life, who they are just always joy-filled. And you're like, how can you be always joy-filled? Don't you see what's going around you? How can you be joyous in your sickness? How can you be joyous in the diagnosis of cancer? How can you, like, where is that joy coming from? How can you constantly have joy? Because they tie their joy to something very different than we tie our joy to. In fact, that's what I wanna talk about today in the midst of a joy that constantly changes. How do we keep our joy from being so moody? But to have a joy that is forever there. This is the Christmas joy. In fact, when you read the scriptures, if you read through the pages of scripture and you just look up passages on joy, I believe what you find in the scriptures is joy is the defining emotion of a Christian. Now some of you go, well, well I, th- I thought love would be the defining emotion of a, Christ- a Christian, but it's not love because love in the scriptures is not defined as an emotion. In fact, the the most famous passage about love that defines love is John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Is love tied to an emotion or an action in that text? It's an action, isn't it? God loved, so he gave. Love is more than a, a, a mushy emotion. It is an action. 
So joy, I believe, is the most defining emotion of a Christian in the scriptures. And where we find joy so clearly articulated is in the Christmas story. In fact, we see this from the very beginning with the declaration that Zechariah and Elizabeth would have a child. Zechariah and Elizabeth, who in Luke chapter 1 were told that, or, or, or it says very advanced in years, and she was barren. So they were the age of grandparents without children. And an angel comes to Zechariah and says, I know you are advanced in years, but you're about to have a child. And he's going, we're in the age of grandparents. How can we have children? I don't believe this is going to happen. And the angel says, you will. You will have a child. And can you imagine when they held their child who would be John the Baptist in their arms for the first time? Could you imagine the joy of finally receiving the one thing that they had hoped for for that many years? Or the angels who came to the shepherds and said to the shepherds, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. Notice where that joy was found. Or, before Jesus was even born, in Luke chapter 1, it talking about Mary who finds out that she is pregnant. She runs to Elizabeth, it says, and in her great haste makes her way to Elizabeth. And it says, Elizabeth, uh, in, in seeing Mary, her baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my child should come to me? But behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. What did that baby leap for joy at? The presence of Jesus, wasn't it? When Jesus came near to that infant, that, that unborn John the Baptist, John already had joy at being in the presence of Jesus. So how do we have that same joy? The joy of the angels and the joy of the shepherds and the joy of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the joy of John the Baptist and the joy of, of all of those who are in the Christmas story. How do we have that joy constantly? Well, to understand that joy, I want to share with you a couple passages of Scripture that help us to better define and understand joy. Our first passage is from Psalm 51, verse 12. Would you read these words with me? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Where does it say in that text, joy comes from? Salvation, right? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's in the message of Jesus Christ crucified and risen again for your salvation and for mine. Or John 16, verses 20 through 22, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. What Jesus is talking about is, is he is ex explaining to them his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. He says, says, I am going to die, I will rise again, but then I'm going away for a little bit. And when I go away, the world's going to rejoice because the world doesn't want to hear my message. The world doesn't like the things that I value. The world doesn't want to hear what I have to say. So the world's going to rejoice when I leave and you will grieve, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And the question is, well, how? How is my sorrow going to turn into joy? Well, he tells them. He says, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy 
from you. Do you see there why it says that their joy will never leave them? It says, because I will see you again. I will come to you. Again, it's the presence of Jesus, isn't it? I will be with you and you will be with me and when you are in my presence, you will have a perfect, complete joy. Or John 15, verse 11, Jesus in this text is speaking about how we are the branches and he is the vine and and if we remain attached to the vine, then in him we will bear much fruit, but apart from him we can do nothing. So stay attached to me, be with me. And he says at the end of this, after talking about be with me, abide in me and I in you, that these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And notice in this, what he's saying is that that you are not going to have full joy in this world. There are things that may bring momentary joy. Because what we oftentimes do is we put our joy in what? We put our joy in the what's of this world. Meaning what is going on around us? What is happening in our life? What do I have? What am I holding on to? Like the what's and the, the possessions and the circumstances of this world. And those things can bring momentary joy, but those things are constantly changing. It's like the word hope in the scripture. The word hope in the scripture and the word hope in our lives is oftentimes two very different things, right? So for instance, I hope that the Bears beat the Packers this afternoon. But that hope is a big question mark, right? Some of you are going, absolutely, it is a huge question mark. But that's our hope in this world. The video during our offering, I hope we sing Silent Night. I hope we have peace when all of our family gets together. I hope I get the presence I want. I hope, right, it's a question mark. But when we talk about hope in the scriptures, hope in the scriptures isn't a question mark, it's an exclamation point. The hope that comes in Jesus isn't a question, it's a certainty. And he says, do you want perfect, complete, full, ultimate, perfect joy? Then don't look to the things of this world, but be in me. Notice again, here in this text, that full, complete joy comes from being attached to or in the presence of Jesus. And then finally, from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9, notice what it says here. It says, according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, in this you rejoice. Well, what is the in this? It's the first part. What you're rejoicing is in is the hope through the resurrection. Where does that come from? Jesus, his gift, his presence, his love, his grace. He says, even in the midst of trials, you can have joy if you have the hope of the resurrection and the presence of Jesus. You can still have joy, which is why he concludes in verse 8. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love that, fr- that phrase. It says that you are filled with with a joy that is inexpressible. Do you know an image that comes to mind when when I hear that phrase? It's the image of a child on Christmas morning when they're opening that package, that present, 
that they didn't know that they wanted, but all of a sudden, once they open it, they realize that was the best gift that they could have ever gotten. And they're holding that, and they're bouncing up and down and jumping up and down, and, and they, 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 they're trying to say something, but the words can't come out of their mouth because they're so excited that they received the one thing they didn't know they needed, but they actually got. Have you ever seen that before in a child when they do that? I mean, that is an inexpressible joy, isn't it? And in this text, Peter is saying, you want inexpressible joy? Stop looking for it in the what's of this world. Stop tying your faith to things of this world that can't give you that ultimate joy because you and I, we tie our things so often to things that cannot hold joy in our lives. He says, says, instead, tie your joy to something greater. Tie it to Jesus. And the question we have to ask is, how do I tie it to Jesus? Well, it tells us in verse 7, it says, so that this may test the genuineness of your faith. It's our faith. You see, faith anchors our joy to Jesus. In the midst of misery and agony, despair and emptiness, faith anchors our joy uh, like a kite in the wind to Jesus. Because what good is it to anchor a kite to a leaf? None, right? (laughs) They're both going to blow away. And those are the what's of our life because they are both circumstantial and they are both vulnerable to the winds of change. But if we tie our joy by faith to Jesus, it's like tying our kite to a pillar cemented into the ground. The wind can blow it around and move it around, but it's not going anywhere because it's held fast to the pillar of Jesus. That's the faith that God calls us to. And yet all too often, we tie our faith, our hope, and our joy like a kite in the wind to to something that it cannot hold, which is why whatever you tie your joy to, it will determine its length and its strength. It will determine how long and how strong that kite holds fast which is why some of us struggle with joy. Because some of us, we tie our joy to our children. And how unfair is that to our children, to tie our joy to them? And if you don't believe me that parents tie their joy to their children, go to a sporting event. I guarantee you will see a lot of parents who tie their joy to their children at sporting events. In fact, my my son, my eight-year-old son wrestles right now. And I go to some of the practices of my son and there's another little boy there that wrestles, and, and I have noticed that that little boy is two completely different children when his dad is there and when his dad is not there. When his dad is there, this, this little boy, he won't listen, he won't behave. Whenever he's getting turned to his back, he'll start slapping the kid that's turning him to his back. He won't try moves, he won't do anything that he's being told. But if his dad is not there, he listens, he behaves, he tries things, and he is a whole lot better of a wrestler when his dad is not around than when he is. And I was trying to figure out why that was, and so I was just sitting there observing and listening, and I was realizing how much, in the midst of a practice, a practice where the coach is supposed to be doing it all, his dad is constantly yelling at him during a practice for not winning all the time. How much pressure does that put on that little boy? How unfair is that to believe, you know what, if I don't perform well, my dad's not going to be happy? That's unfair. Or parents who say, unless you score 12 points or 20 points or the team wins, we're not going to be happy. 
And all of a sudden, there's so much pressure on the child. Or it can happen with grades if you don't bring straight A's home or, or if you don't do the right things or if you don't behave the right way, that my joy is dependent upon your accomplishments. Or spouses do that to one another. Husbands do it to wives and wives do it to husbands. That my joy is dependent upon you. And if that's the truth, how much pressure does that put on the spouse to provide the joy that your spouse needs? Or we do it to success. I can only have joy if I have success in my life, but not everything's ever going to go perfectly. Things will be tough. There will be times of struggle and difficulty. We put our joy in our health, and yet we all grow up and we all grow older, and our health will not always stay the way it was when we were younger. And it will change. And that's why our joy can never be tied to the what's of this world, but instead our joy needs to be tied to a who instead of a what. It's the joy of the first Christmas, isn't it? Because the joy of the first Christmas wasn't tied to what was going around them, but who it was that they were being confronted with. It was the joy of Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, John the Baptist, the joy of being in the presence of Jesus. Because believe it or not, on that very first Christmas, they did not have Christmas trees. They didn't have lights. They didn't have ornaments. They didn't have packages wrapped in beautiful wrapping paper. They didn't have songs like Joy to the World or, or Angels We Have Heard on High or Santa Claus is Coming to Town. They didn't have any of those songs and any of those lights and any of those decorations and yet they had the greatest joy of all. Because what was their joy found in in that first Christmas? Jesus. Their joy wasn't tied to what was going on and what was taking place but who was with them in the midst of the what's that were taking place. They could have joy in trials and difficulty and suffering and pain because they knew even in the midst of that, they had Jesus. It's more than presence and lights and trees, but it is the presence of the one who came into this world to save us from our sins. And your joy, your joy can be complete and perfect and unending when your joy is tied to the same joy that John the Baptist was when he leapt in the womb, the joy of knowing the presence of Jesus is with you both in the Christmas season and each and every day of your life that you can have that joy of Christmas morning not just one day a year, but 365 days a year because he is with you always. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy that you give to us at Christmas. A joy that goes beyond the things of this world. A joy that goes beyond the what to who. To who is with us. Who came for us. Who was born into this world to save us from our sins. Lord, oftentimes we tie our joy to things that cannot stand up underneath the pressures and difficulties and struggles and the winds of change that are in our life. And so, Lord, help us to not tie our joy to our children, to our spouse, to our jobs, to our possessions. But may our joy be firmly anchored to Jesus. Just as it was on that first Christmas, so may it be every Christmas and every day that our joy may be firmly anchored 
to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.